You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 108. Today, my guest is Nicola Ward, and Nicola is from Precious Time Business Services. You need to say that slowly, Nicola. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about, is overwhelm killing your business? So welcome, Nicola. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for having me. So overwhelm, that's definitely something I think a lot of small businesses face and feel and sometimes struggle with. So have you got a few tips how we might be able to manage our time better and be maybe a little calmer? I think um, I do have um, some tips. Now, obviously, there's lots of things out there, um, but there's so many techniques and, and things on that anyone can hook into. But I'll probably just talk about my four favourite ones today. Absolutely. Um, I think we can all agree that our time as small business owners is precious. We've all got the same amount of time in a day, but why do some of us appear to have a more balanced life than others? Well, that comes down to time management. Time management helps you organise and plan your time, allowing you to work smarter, not harder. Now, I know as a small business owner that I would definitely like to work smarter and not harder. Um, would you agree, Kathy? Absolutely. And I think that is definitely something that we need to be looking at because most other things can be replaced, can't they? We can earn more money, but we cannot get more time. No, and most of us know that some days the time just disappears and you've got to the end of the day and you think, oh, I've not actually accomplished anything today. But if we were to apply some of these simple techniques, Number one, you can actually see what you've achieved and you'll feel a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day or the end of your working day, not so much trying to squash in lots of hours in the day. But even if you just have a couple of hours, at least using those couple of hours um, in a timely manner. That sounds like a great idea. So what are the tips? So the first one is the Pomodoro technique. Have you heard of that one? I have, but let's tell the audience. This is uh, one of my absolute favourites for a couple of reasons. The Pomodoro technique is an Italian time management technique. Hence Pomodoro and being a tomato. And I'm sure we've all seen those tomato timers that you can buy for your kitchen. Some people use the actual tomato timer, but you can use any timer that you have on your phone or on your computer or anything like that. So... The Pomodoro technique is actually really simple. All you have to do is make your list. So the list of tasks that you've got in your day, put them in order of priority, set a timer for 25 minutes and get to work. When the buzzer sounds, place a tick or you can, if you like to draw a tomato, you can draw a tomato, but a marker to let you know that one slot of 25 minutes has passed. Then take a break, two to three minutes. Take a break from that task, go and do something else. That might be if you're working from home, go and hang a washing out, make a cup of tea. 
and then repeat. Continue to do this until you finish your task. Once you've done four sets of 25 minutes, take a longer break. So chances are it's coming up for a lunchtime or something, then you've got a good half hour break in order to have lunch. So there are some rules for the Pomodoro. Break down complicated tasks. There's nothing worse than not seeing any progress when you've got a massive task. So break that down into smaller tasks so you can actually see your progress. And the same goes for smaller tasks. Try and put them all together. So you might have something that only takes a couple of minutes and another thing in your list that only takes a couple of minutes. Try and put them all together so you can actually build up the 25 minutes. Once the Pomodoro timer is set, you can't stop it. So you've got to continue on with your 25 minutes. And this helps you stay focused and actually just doing one thing at a time and then have a break. If you happen to finish a task in less than 25 minutes, then use that time to either review the task. It might be that you know, you're working on a research paper, something like that. You can go away and do some research on that same item, but don't go away and do something else. Use the time to review your work. There are some variations to the Pomodoro technique. So people sometimes work better in longer time. So it'll be whatever that works for you best. The other good thing that I actually really like about this is if you're tracking tasks. So if you wanted, if you had built up a heap of tasks and you wanted to delegate them to someone in your team or delegate them to a VA or anything you wanted, you can actually start tracking how long it takes to do a task, especially if it's repetitive tasks. So say after a week, you do roughly the same sort of tasks each week. You can go back and see how many Pomodoros it actually took to do that task. So it's much easier to then pass that on to someone else and know roughly once they get a hang of that task, how long it's actually going to take. So you can plan their day as well. Fabulous. It's probably good for time tracking as well if you're actually charging your clients or if you've quoted it against um, the quoted time. The variation I've seen was actually a 50-minute time block as opposed to a 25-minute time block. And what I do is predominantly I work from home and generally near my office is the kitchen. So I actually put the timer on the stove so it doesn't turn itself off. I have to get up to do it. And I hate that annoying little beep, 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 beep. So it makes me get up and do it. And even if I only stop to get up and do it and come back, at least it's had that break of time. But with a 50-minute one, you're supposed to have a 10-minute break after yeah. it. But I like the shorter break time, but I don't know if I like the shorter work time. I guess it depends <laughs> on the task. Everyone will know themselves how, how well they can work and how long they can focus for some people like to um, have it for about 90 minutes, depending oh, wow. on the task. If it was a massive task and you needed concentration, I'm not saying to do it all the time, but there might be times where you could have a longer one like that, that if you needed focusing, you couldn't be interrupted, then maybe that would be an advantage of doing it for longer. But for people um, that haven't started before, probably if they start with that 25 minutes or 50-minute time so, spot. I think um, when you first start doing this, it's actually quite difficult. We're so used to jumping back and forward, especially, I, th I think, small businesses, especially when you're working at home or you've got a, a small workforce, when you tend to be doing lots of different roles within the business, 
you tend to jump from one thing to another. And so you're all over the place. This actually will force you to be focused. So if you're not a focused person, you'll probably find this really difficult. But the advantages just outweigh that as time goes on. An app you can use um, for this. And actually, you can type your tasks in. And then it actually does the timing for you as well. And then it gives you a little Pomodoro on the side of it. So that's a pretty cool um, app to use. Um, and I'm sure it's called, I think it's called the Pomodoro Technique, in fact. Um, but there's various timing apps out there and time tracking apps that you could probably use as well as a timer. Um, any of these things will work. The second one that I'm going to talk about is the pickle jar theory. Now, this one is actually best visual, so you can see it. But I'm sure if I describe it well enough, the listeners will get the idea. And they've probably seen it before, in fact. So the pickle jar theory is a metaphor that's used to illustrate the important aspects of time management. So you must do all the important tasks first, or you'll actually never get round to them. So imagine you had an empty jar. We call it a pickle jar because they're usually the big ones with the lid on it. Then you've got some rocks, you've got some pebbles, and you've got some sand. The jar represents your time. The rocks represent the important tasks. Now, these are the sort of tasks that there'll be serious consequences if you don't do them. Then you've got the pebbles. These are the less important tasks. These are our jobs that we have day to day that just fill up our diaries. Then you've got the sand. The grains of sand are the unimportant tasks that pop up throughout the whole day and distract you, like phone calls, emails, social media notifications, and other disrupting things that might disrupt you. So how does it work? Well, if you had a jar and you filled it up with unimportant tasks, the sand, then on top of that, you put the less important tasks, which are the pebbles, there's not really enough space in the jar for those massive rocks because you've filled up with all the other stuff. And so that's what we tend to do, up, isn't it? Oh, yeah. If you fill your day up with all Facebook, LinkedIn, then you'll find that you've wasted a huge amount of time in the day and you don't get round to the things that are really important. But if you prioritised your tasks and did the important ones first, then you did the less important ones. And I'm not saying not to do emails, social media, um, phone calls, or anything else that takes up your day. But if you do the important things first, then the less important things, you'll find that there's actually plenty of time throughout the day to add in these really unimportant tasks. So when you see the two jars together, you can see when you do it the opposite way around, there's not enough time in the day to do all the tasks. And when you can see it the other way, there's plenty of time to fit everything in if you prioritise it in that particular way. So that's the pickle jar theme. Perfect. And I guess what also happens is that people then f don't feel the need to have to be springing on their emails all the time. And if you just allocate a time that you're going to do those after the important tasks, then it's a much better time management as well. And I find sometimes with my team, if I'm not available at that instant, they can actually work through whatever the issue is. So by the time I get back to them half an hour, an hour later, they've actually sorted it all out themselves. So they just 
run it past me or they've just bounced it off for clarification. But we haven't sat there for 10 minutes working out what they need to do. Exactly. I discovered a new thing and I've no idea why I didn't know about this beforehand, but someone told me about it over the weekend. I am part of another organisation and I get a lot of emails in a day um, and a lot of them are just for informational purposes, but it doesn't say that anywhere. And quite often I'm not CC'd into it. So then I think it must be something. So then I have to almost open every single email. So someone told me over the weekend that if in the body of the email, you put the at symbol, it'll come up with the people that are actually in your two on the email or in the CC and you can pick that person. So when it shows up in your inbox, it has a big at symbol next to it. So if someone actually needed you to action something in an email, they could put that at. So when you look at your inbox, you'll see very clearly, okay, the people in your organization know that you're using that technique. They'll be able to see that um, all the at ones are things that actually need you to do something. And then all the rest of them you can probably read at a later date. Probably not another day. That same day, but later in the day when you've, you've done all the important things. So I've been using that this week and it has been working an absolute treat because you can see at a very quick glance if somebody actually needs you to do something. Well, that's a great tip, isn't it? I haven't heard so, of that either. No, I, I, the lady who was telling me about it, she said, oh, I don't know how you've not heard of that. But I actually told another lady who has spoken to me about the amount of emails that she gets, and she hadn't heard of it either. Well, so there you go. It's, uh, hopefully I'm going to try and train the organisation for everyone to use it because there is a lot of emails in the organisation. So I think it would be really good for everyone to use. Yes, sounds like a very good tip. So the next one is the Alpen theory. Have you heard of the Alpen no, theory? No, that one I This is not. one that I haven't heard of um, as well, but it's something that people probably do unknowingly um, if they're good at organising their day. So the Alpen method is, uh, it was designed by a German. Um, that's really where the Alpen came from. So the A-L-P-E-N is actually German words, which I'm not even going to try and pronounce. <laughs> um, <laughs> but roughly translated, the A is writing down your tasks or your appointments or activities. The L is estimating the length of time. P is planning buffer time. E is making decisions. And N is following up. So how does this work? If we take A, which was writing down tasks, the first thing you need to do is write down every single thing you've got to do that day. Write down to all the menial little tasks. They don't have to be in any order as long as you have them written down. L, the estimating length. Try and estimate the time that it's going to take to do each of those tasks. Even if it's just a couple of minutes, at least write it down. And again, as you go on, um, you'll get better at estimating the time that it takes to do the tasks. Then you've got P, planning the buffer time. Now, this is one that I know a lot of people don't do, is planning buffer time. So the buffer time is for, let's say you had to drive to a lot of appointments. Living in Perth, you never know what the traffic's going to be like. So if you actually planned in that buffer time, it would save you from probably getting places late. 
And again, you get good at being able to plan in that buffer time. The buffer time, so this particular technique says to allow 40% of your time as buffer time. Now, that seems like quite a lot. But if you start off with 40%, then you can move that up or down, depending on maybe the industry you're in, the type of task that you've got to do. If you're on the road a lot, you might need a bit more than that. If you're not and you work from home, you might need less. Then you've got to decide which tasks you're going to keep. So when you go through your tasks, you had that whole big list. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do all them in a day. If you were to add up that time, you would probably need three days to do one day's list of tasks. So you've got to um, go through a matrix. Um, so there's a, a matrix called the Eisenhower matrix. So you've got what's urgent and important. These are the things that you're going to do first. You've got what's important but not urgent. You can decide when you're going to do them. What's urgent but not important? These are the type of tasks that you can actually delegate or set to a mid-level priority. And then you've got the what's not urgent and unimportant. Now, I'm sure we've all got these tasks in our day. Delete those. We don't need to do them. If they were really not urgent and unimportant, there's no time for them in the day. Sounds good. And then the end is the follow-up. So this is once you've been using this process for a, a length of time. So even a week, once you've been using it for a week, go back, have a look, see if you can pick out those tasks that you do often and see roughly how long it takes. So the next time you do that, you'll know how long it's actually going to take that to do that task. So you'll be able to estimate your time better. Again, look at your buffer time. It might be that you need a bit more. It might be that you need a bit less, depending on the task or where you're going. So that's a great follow-up. And then again, after a few weeks, you can go back and even drill that down even more. So by the time you're finished using this method, um, you will be able to prioritize those tasks really well. This is a fantastic method because you can see clearly what your tasks are that you've got to do, the time it's going to take to do them, and how urgent or non-urgent these tasks are. The only problem is, for someone that's not very good at prioritising, they might not be able to prioritise those tasks so well in the first place. <laughs> and there are times where there is no focused time. You've just got to rely on your own motivation to do these tasks. So that's why sometimes some of these methods could be used together and um, to get a better result. Well, that would definitely work well with the Pomodoro because you could put your time blocks and you can also then see if some of those tasks are running over the time that you've estimated. Yeah. So once again, it might go back to you quoting that you've allowed an hour and a half to do that particular thing, but it's consistently taking you two and a half hours. Yeah. So therefore, you know that next time you do that job or if you, if you redo the contract, you need to adjust the timing for that. Yeah. This one would work really well with, um, I was thinking of an IT provider, do you know, that provides a managed service. And yes. So they have particular times for particular things. You know, it might be that three years ago, the setup of a, a new employee from scratch took a certain length of time. But as time's gone on, there's so many new and different things that that time is actually a lot more. So you're losing money out every single time you set up a new station. Yes. Um, so it's handy for things like that. I actually have, um, it's a fellow coach 
who I was discussing the Alpine method with, and she's a very visual person. And she has a, a massive board in her office, and she actually did it with post-it notes. So then it's easy. You're not rubbing things out or, um, you know, retyping. You can just grab the post-it notes and say, right, okay, these are the things that are really important. These are the things that are not. Take away the ones that are we're not doing. So you can actually move them around. And people who are visual like that sort of thing. You could also use a Trello board or one of those yeah, kind yeah, of Yeah, that's apps. the other one that people use, yeah. And again, you could use that for the other methods as well and combine some of these together. Yeah, I like bringing in the visual aspect because a lot of people, they can't do it if they can't see it. So, yeah, yeah you post yeah. or Trello or something like that would really yeah. work well. And there's things that happen throughout the day that you just haven't planned for. Um, and at least if you've got it visually, you can see and you can – you know, with a trailer board, you can still drag it and move it. Same with a post-it note, you can pick it up and stick it somewhere else. So it's, um, yeah, a lot of people like to be able to see that in front of them and let them see where they're at. Um, and other people prefer a spreadsheet. It's just, just the way their mind works. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so what's your other tip? The last one is the ABC method. So the ABC method is just categorizing your tasks. So this one is all about your task list or your appointments or whatever that might be in the day. If we look at A first, A is your top priority tasks. These are the ones that are really important. And these are the ones, again, there'll be serious consequences if you don't do these tasks. So when you're putting all your tasks into A, you want to do the top priority one first. So we're going to call that A1. And then the next priority will be A2, A3, and so on. Then you've got the B column, which is your secondary task. So these are the ones that you should do, but there's only mild consequences if you, do, if you don't do them. Now, again, these are going to run in the same way. You need to prioritize those ones. And then there'll be B1, B2, B3, and so on. And then you've got your C tasks. These are the things that would be nice to do, but there's no consequence if you don't really do them. And again, they run exactly the same. You've got C1, C2, C3. Now, the thing you've got to do once you've actually got them into these lists is you have to start with the tasks in A. You can't jump over to something that would be nice to do and there's no consequence. You have to start at A. Not only do you have to start at A, you have to start at A1. And you can't go on to A2 until you've finished A1. Likewise, you can't go from A1 to B1 or C1. So you must do everything in order that you put them in in column A and the same in B and the same in C. But you must do column A first then B, and then C. So again, this one heavily relies on you being able to prioritize your own tasks. And again, having that focus time, which is why it's good, a, a good again that you can maybe combine the Pomodoro and the ABC together. Um, so that is my four tips for time management. Fabulous. And I think, like you say, if you use some out of uh, at least two of them and do it visual, 
that that will really help a lot of people. And then you'll also see those tasks that are rolling over day after day. And then you need to decide, okay, are they really important or are they important to somebody else? And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're important to you. So therefore, do you delegate them or do you just completely shift them off your radar? Yeah. And, and things might be relevant at the time when you wrote them down, but then maybe as a couple of days have gone on, they're not so relevant. And I think in conclusion, um, we all have different life situations. We have different values and different personalities. So what might work for me might not work for you. We've got different ways of being able to work and different times to focus and different tasks and priorities. So we just have to try and manage our time as carefully as possible and just observe how we react in different situations. You know, if we're in a stressful situation, are we going to need more time? Are we going to need less time? We'll be able to then go back and have a look in a non-judgmental way if we're keeping track of all this and improve on it every day. You'll also be able to identify really quickly where your time wasters are. And again, this is going to be different for everyone. What's a time waster for me might not be a time waster for someone else. You've just got to find the one that works for you and the one that works with your lifestyle too because we all lead busy lives and there's other things to do as well as work. So it's just whatever works for us. Well, they should be. That's something that people need to realise, that they need to stop. And <laughs> even though there's 16 hours of work on that day, does not necessarily mean you need to do all 16 and you can move some over to tomorrow, especially if you've done it in the correct order. So therefore, the ones that you are moving over are your C category or your unimportant or the yeah. ones that can wait. Definitely. Um, and we all have to make time for ourselves and have that self-care. Um, I think we all are very quick to care about others and care about the job and, and care about the business. But when it comes to actually caring for yourself, we're the ones that lose out. Um, so we all have to make time for that. For sure. And if there's no pilot, there will be no plane. So you do need to look after yourself. So that is very, very important. Definitely. Okay. Do you have any final tips for us? Final tips. Um, do the things that you set out that you said you would do. Try and work more productively and efficiently. And create more space in your life for the things that you love to do. So spend time with family and friends and hobbies or just having a bit of a relax. Once you combine all these things together, you'll feel physically and mentally better, fitter, more awake, and you'll probably find that you sleep better, making you probably a much better human being. That is definitely something I think people neglect. They think that they can get away with a very short amount of sleep time and then that, of course, impacts into everything else that yeah. upsets their focus and their concentration, and then suddenly they're not being very productive at all. So <laughs> I, I love that as a final tip. Make sure you do actually go to bed and get some sleep <laughs> and get off your screen. Yes, definitely. Okay, so we're up to our final five. I have five questions for you, so it's oh. my turn to turn the table. All right, let's have a go at that. Okay, what is the biggest help that you have received since starting your business? The biggest help I've received since starting my business is actually, it's coming to the realisation myself that I can't do everything, that I actually 
although I'm a small business owner and it's my business, there are things in my business that I just can't do. Now, if I really tried, I could do them. But then it's all about time management and my business is called Precious Time. So my time is also precious. So why would I think I can design a website? I probably could. But if I took added up the time that it took and put that to billable hours, I'd, watch, I'd be better actually getting someone else to do it, which is what I did. But often in small business, people can't see that value because they think they're just spending money. But if they actually had a real good think about it and had a look at their hourly rate that they charge, it would actually seem quite sensible in the end. Absolutely. And especially with websites, because of course, that's one of (laughs) my pet things being a a web designer in my other business. I often say to people, would you pay somebody to learn how to build a website? Would you pay somebody to spend five times longer than it should take? Would you pay somebody a very menial rate to be doing this because of the amount of time and a few other things? And they go, no, of course not. I said, well, why are you doing it? Why aren't you doing your zone of genius and being paid correctly? Let me yeah. do my zone of genius and we'll all be happy. Yeah, stick, stick to what you know best. <laughs> Absolutely. What is the best advice given to you by a mentor? Oh, um, the best advice given to me by a mentor is knowing when to get rid of a client. I think that is so true. People hang on to them for far too long. And it's not not nice people. They're often very good business people as well. It's just they're not right for you or you're not right for them. So definitely sacking clients is a good liberating thing to be doing. (laughs) What is the one thing you have to do every day? You're non-negotiable. Oh, the one thing I have to do every day that's non-negotiable Mm. is to actually take some time out for myself and stop. That's a very good one. I think I just push it plan, plan them in. Today I went to kickboxing. Um, yesterday I went to the gym, went for a walk on Monday, but just trying to do that each day and actually putting it in the diary. So if it's in there, you do it. Excellent. Good girl. What is your favourite business book and why? Oh, there's a lot of them, but the one that I read not too long ago and it's there's quite a lot of things in there and I'll probably go back and read it again is the Ikigai. Okay. That is probably my favourite. Excellent. And what do you wish you had known when you started your business? I wish I had known how how much time you had to put aside for networking. I think people get unstuck on that one as well. They don't realise that it isn't just a case of setting up a business, opening the door, popping up a website, and they will all come. Build it and they will come. The networking is so, so important. And the other thing is too that I think a lot of people think, okay, if I go to a networking event, I'm going to get business from that next week. Chances are you'll either not get any business from it at all or it could be a good nine months down the line before you get anything from that. So you've always got to be networking as a rolling on thing. So you can always hopefully get the business ticking along. So in a, a year's time, there's always going to be business rolling on. That's it, isn't it? Networking is about relationship building, not yeah. just turning up and throwing your business cards at people. No, definitely not. It's making that connection. And it might be that you, you know, you can't refer anything on to them. They can't refer anything on to you, but 
in six or nine months' time, they're like, ah, oh, in fact, I met a lady at a networking event. She'll, she'll be the person that you need to speak to. To nurture that relationship, you know, don't just rely on meeting them once. Um, it's actually been able to, to nurture that over the coming months. Definitely. And sometimes it is that you do need to have a few times because they have recently had a website built and it wasn't a good experience. So as soon as you say you're a web designer, they want to run. Whereas as they get to know you, they realize that you're actually really good and (laughs) they should have come to you in the first place. But then maybe later on when they decide that theirs is really not working, they might come back or if they've heard of somebody else who they can help stop having that problem in the first place. So that is (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So if people would like to know more about Precious Time, where should they look you up, Nicola? They can look me up on LinkedIn um, under my own profile. It's Nicola Ward, um, but also have a business profile too, which is Precious Time. There's my website, which is www.precious-time.com.au. Beautiful. And we'll pop those all in the show notes. So being very conscious of our time and using it correctly. We are running up dead on time. So thank you, Nicola. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And likewise, thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.